So each year, according to Workers' Compensation Board in here in Alberta, approximately 150 workers die, and over 150,000 new claims are filed. Uh, yet these numbers, startling as they are, and under they underrepresent the numbers of workers who are killed or seriously damaged by work each year in Alberta. Occupational illnesses and chronic workplace ailments are a hidden epidemic in Alberta. Uh, furthermore, the costs of workplace illnesses and many injuries are being shifted from employers through the WCB and on to the taxpayer. Many current workplace health and safety strategies and programs actually encourage or support this trend. Kevin Flaherty of the nonprofit Alberta Workers Health Center will explore these issues now with us and, and uh, as he speaks to us. Kevin, uh, who is uh, e eagerly uh, anticipating this presentation, uh, has been executive director of the Alberta Workers Health Center since 1995. He has a master's degree in the sociology of work and has spent the past 30 years studying working conditions and work organizations in Canada and around the world. So please join me in welcoming Kevin Flaherty. The cord well, I workplace safety issue right there. I didn't even believe myself when I uh, that it was me when he was reading that. I guess I wrote it, so I guess I have to believe it. Um, thanks for having me here. It's a nice day out there. Hey, even windy, even for Lethbridge is what I described it to my office back in Edmonton, and as the snow was kind of going like this across my windshield, so. Thanks for braving the weather to come out for such a gruesome and grim topic. I wish I was uh, able to talk to you about something more uh, warm and cuddly. Maybe the soup will make up for that, uh, at least the warm part. But uh, I'm here to talk about... I, I don't want to have your eyes glaze over when, about statistics, but I I'll share a few with you, okay? Um, first of all, yesterday was the International Day of Mourning for workers who were killed in injured on the job, and that's uh, something that comes and passes for most people. On a, uh, and uh, I'd like to take a half a minute now to have a thought for those people who, uh, who aren't here or in their, with their families uh, because of uh, what happened to them on the job. So if we can take a half a minute of silence, I'd really appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks very much. <clears throat> There's approximately 360,000 um, workplace fatalities each year around the globe, and that doesn't include the, the uh, 2 million or so that would die from an occupational illness. Um, in Alberta, as, uh, as was mentioned, it's uh, every year the Workers' Comp Board accepts somewhere in the neighbourhood of 110 this year to 150, 160 workplace deaths as related to work. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things I could call for around that and maybe when we get a little more time later on we will in terms of policy change but what I wanted to focus on today was the numbers, the people that aren't included in those numbers. And I said in the intro that there's an epidemic and, and I think that's an understatement. Um, if we look at the if we look at the numbers, 
uh, that 150, about a third of those every year, you can break them down on the government websites and other places, about a third of those every year are traumatic incidents where someone gets crushed or, or you know, it's a, it's a, it happens on the spot, on the workplace, the body is found, literally, or, or they die relatively shortly thereafter. Another third are folks who are driving as part of work, so they're on the, tr- on the highways, they're driving a truck, they're driving a van, a service vehicle, they're at work while they're driving, and so their death on the highway is, is, is work-related. The other third, which is about 30, 40, maybe 50 people a year, if you look at those and break those down, most of those, those are occupational illnesses, right? That's, that's how the government breaks them, that's how workers' comp breaks them down. Those are illnesses. Those are the, uh, you know, the chronic ailments, the things that maybe someone picked up at work 25 years later, it manifested itself as a cancer or some other uh, life-ending disease related to the workplace. Most of those, if you look at their, their, the, the, the profile of those people, are related to asbestos exposures because we know after many, many years that asbestos is a killer in any form and any amount. Um, so it's been relatively, e- relatively, I say relatively easy for workers who've been exposed to asbestos to get those claims through workers' comp. I'm not here to bash the workers' compensation board. I'm here to talk about this, the other numbers again that aren't that aren't talked about, the other people that aren't talked about. So the, there's very little evidence about uh, about um, the missing numbers. But I want to give you another number, then we can extrapolate from that, okay? The Cancer Board of Alberta uses the, eight, the figure of 8% when they describe the relationship between occupational exposures to carcinogens, to cancer-causing agents, and to people who die of cancer in the province. That's a fairly conservative number. Um, studies you know, go all the way from 6% to some high as 20 30%. Of the studies will 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 say that uh, twenty or thirty percent will be could be attributed to uh, occupational exposures, but if we just take that one number and use their the cancer board stats as the the benchmark, there's a at least four hundred and fifty Albertans every year that die from occupational exposures to carcinogens. Four hundred and fifty people that are not part of that list of 150 that the Workers' Compensation Board accepts. So, you know, you, can, you could probably debate that number till we're blue in the face, but the reality is what it says is that there's a huge portion of workplace illness that we're not even talking about, let alone compensating for. The principles of... And why is this an issue? Well, it's an issue for a lot of, a lot of reasons, one, and one of them... Is, is purely financial, purely financial. The workers' compensation boards were set up to compensate workers and their families for uh, lost life and limb and, uh, and uh, ability to work and income. So it's easy to know. There's lots of... You, you, you see... You see uh, most of the time we talk about workers' compensation, we talk about the people that are fighting the comp board and have maybe have a chronic ailment and they're... They're annoyed with the system or the ones that are missed, and, and you know, it's, whether it's 5%, 10%, or whatever. 
the reality is, if you, if your claim is accepted by workers' comp, there is some form of compensation for that. More than that, though, all your medical bills are paid for through the workers' compensation system. So as a public... I've been trying to say this for a number of years since I've been at the Workers' Health Centre. I've been phoning up health authorities and saying, hey, guys, folks, let's talk public policy here. Let's talk about the people that have been shifted from workers' compensation system because their claim is not even... not, not recognized, forget it, it's not even made to the Workers' Compensation Board... And now they're filling our hospitals. They're walking down our streets. These are people, they're, they're, they're in our families. They're us. They're, they're, there's a financial cost to that that is being shifted out of the workplace and onto the general public system, healthcare system. I can't measure it definitively, and I'm not asking you guys to even to believe my numbers. Go look for yourself. There's very little, like I say, there's very little statistics, very very little work done in that area. What we do know, though, from that piece I just told you and from the few studies that are out there about reporting of injuries and illnesses to workers' comp boards is that many, many, many people do not even report their workplace ailments to the board. and It's grossly underreported. And there's a variety of reasons for that. But I want to stay to, stick to those costs uh, again. It's quite... Um, I look at you folks here, and most of us are gray hairs, and some aren't, but, uh, you know, and, and we talk about the aging... There's a lot of conversation when it comes to healthcare about the aging populations. Not, for me, that means a number of things. It mean, one of them is that it means that uh, those ailments that people... Um, those those uh, toxins that people may have been exposed to 25, 20, 25 years ago um, are now starting to show up in our bodies as illnesses. Those, those chronic ailments, those musculoskeletal disorders, the repetitive strain injuries, the back injuries that, you know, maybe you lived with when you were 25, 35, 45, now they're getting harder to live with. They're getting harder to deal with. They're compounding on one injury compounded onto another, onto another. Years of dealing with a back injury, I can tell you, will lead to all sorts of things with your hips, with your shoulders. Leading a, a bad leg injury um, or, or a shoulder issue I- injury is going to lead to strains on other parts of your bodies. So what I'm saying, though, is, is these are all the, the hidden costs that are sitting out there um, as part of our public health care system. But there's more costs than that, obviously. There's the social costs that go with that, that omission, if you want to have it, the part that no one's talking about. And, uh, you know, again, this is an older crowd. I don't have to tell you guys what it's like to, uh, to deal with uh, yourselves or other people who, uh, who may have an ail- a chronic ailment. You may not know where it's from, but you know what it's doing to the quality of their lives. And uh, so uh, those things show up, and they show up not only uh, financially in the services and stuff that we have to provide as a society, and we should provide as a society, but also in the the day-to-day aspects of our lives. The withdrawal of of people from community involvement. They stop volunteering. They they get nasty. I can tell you, anyone who's lived with someone with chronic pain for 30 years... Usually, usually they're not much fun after a while. <laughs> Sorry if, anyone, if I've offended anyone, but, you know, that's got to be an awfully hard thing to do. 
is to live with a lot of pain for 10, 20, 30 years. So we know it changes the way people relate to each other. Okay? So I'm here not to necessarily try to quantify those things. I'm here because no one's talking about them. Every time there's an issue around workers' compensation, it focuses in on the very narrow piece. Um, I really respect what organized labor does, the Alberta Federation of Labor does, in terms of calling for greater inspections, uh, for more inspection, for greater prosecution. The Auditor General of Alberta called for more um, honesty, I guess, in terms of uh, compliance and enforcing compliance on the part of uh, WorkSafe Alberta. I'm all for those things. But even if, we, even if we did all of those things three times better as a province, it's still not going to address that issue. Part of the issue is the definition of what it means to be hurt and how do we get that through uh, the, the uh, sort of uh, institutionalized in some form or another. And, but I think it goes even further back than that. Um, the, real, the real starting point for me um, is not public policy it's public conversation. It's about taking the personal stories that you know in your families, in your own lives, and taking each of those little stories that no one talks about anymore because we're tired of listening to Uncle Fred talk about what happened to him 35 years ago. You know, we're tired, we're tired of hearing uh, people talk about it. It doesn't happen um, in public anymore. It happens behind closed doors. It happens when you... When you try to touch your partner and they flinch. Uh, it happens when you have to go help each other down the stairs. It happens when people are wearing their oxygen day in and day out and you can no longer have a real good conversation with them or even kiss them. Those are the kind of things, those are the expressions of this years and years of wear and tear in our bodies that is not getting acknowledged. So what I want to do and what we're trying to do at the Workers' Health Centre is to actually start a conversation, take the workplace out from behind the closed doors. Let's start talking about what it means when you get exposed to something in the workplace, when it, whether it's yourself, your partner, your, your a relative, your kids now, your grandkids now. When they come home and say, hey, we had this explosion, or a little, just a little explosion at work, and this pipe blew, and <laughs> there was ammonia all over the place in the grocery store. What does that mean? What is that going to mean for their lives 20 years down the road? What does it mean for them now? We have to take that wall that sits between us and the workplace, and we have to break that down. We have to challenge employers. If there's employers in here, we have to challenge you to say, okay, be, be honest with yourselves. Be honest with your workers. Be honest with the public about what's going on behind. Open yourselves to scrutiny. That's part of what the Auditor General is calling for. Is let's, if, you're going to be, if we're going to have these, if we're going to talk about health and safety, let's talk honestly about what's going on behind closed doors. But I think it starts even more again with us, taking that private issue that takes place, the story of you, the story of your family member, the story of someone you love or someone you care about, or someone you don't even love or care about, someone you know, they're obnoxious as hell because they've been miserable for 30 years since they fell off the whatever or they got uh, something happened to them or they're just in misery or maybe they're just grieving for someone else. And we have to make that a public issue. We have to have a public conversation about this. You people are well positioned, you're well respected in your community. You need to start having that conversation. The, we have to have the, the, we have to start the, the, when we hear the buzz that goes around workplace health and safety, we have to not get caught up into the fine details of, of tweaking this policy or that policy. 
I'll give you a good example how easy it is to get caught up in that, and then I'll I'll, I'll leave it, and we'll have lunch, and uh, I've ruined your lunch, and uh, we can have more conversation after. Does anyone know the name Patrick Clayton? Does that ring a bell? That name, Patrick Clayton. Does anyone remember the the fellow that walked into the workers' comp board in Edmonton? Okay, now you know. That's Patrick Clayton, right? Interesting story. I'm sure you all have an opinion once you saw or heard what happened. So my daughter came to me one day, after about two weeks after that happened, and she said to me, Dad, because I'm the expert, right? She had a new boyfriend, and she wanted to impress him. Um, Dad, uh, what's your take on this, this hostage-taking incident? For those, and I said, well, well, you know, it's an interesting story. So here's how the story goes. Once upon a time, a man walked into the WCB in Edmonton with a rifle, fired a shot in the air, took nine hostages. His line, if you look at the newspaper after, he says, I want to get my story out. So what was the story he told? Well, if you listen to everyone, all the buzz around Patrick Clayton's story, it was he got hosed by the WCB, he was stalked his ex-wife, he was addicted, he was nasty piece of work, he was a wonderful guy, when they, they really ruined his life, he was just like me, I support him, I don't support him, that was the whole buzz around Patrick Clayton. And so, at the end of the day though, you know, they were blaming the government, blaming the WC, blaming himself, blaming his mother probably. Um, at the end of the day, I said to my daughter, because I'm sage and wise, I said, hey, you know what? I see a lot of folks like that. I've been doing my job for 15 years. There's a lot of folks out there with similar problems. But they don't cross that line. He, the only difference between Patrick and these other folks is they cross that line. And she said, oh, yeah. But then you know what she said to me? She said, Dad, how did he get hurt? Can anyone tell me? No. No, we don't ask the right questions. We get caught up in the buzz. We don't ask the right questions. If we don't ask the right questions, we won't find the right answers. So I'll leave you that for now, and we can have questions and more conversation when you get a chance to participate. Thanks very much.